live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. It's Cofield and Company. Rolling out on a Wednesday, you heard it, T.I. Sportsbook and Bar. Well, it's a Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside T.I. I'm flustered. we got breaking news to get to here in a couple minutes on UNLV basketball. We'll get to that. The Final Four is set. We are here for a, another hockey viewing puck party. Candy, we got the Knights playing the Kings. I feel like we've seen this before. It is weird this hockey season. Is it not because of the way the season is structured? <laughs> you really you, you play an awful lot of uh, familiar faces. Familiar faces. They're the only f- you see. They they are the same people over and over and over again. Although I will say this Los Angeles Kings team is playing generally a lot better than they were early in the year. Although you wouldn't have known it uh, the other night for the last two periods as the Golden Knights came out and dominated over those last couple. So. Uh, it's very, very strange, though, to see these teams over and over again. Yes. Uh, but we do have to frame the season accurately, don't we? That this season is a bit different because you are locked in against mostly the same teams. You're not getting a, you know, these crossovers against elite teams from around the league like you normally would. So how do we judge the Knights' outstanding record, and especially at home, we have to take that into account, right? That they're playing a limited schedule. I think you have to take it account for every team in the league, but especially in this division in particular. Like, if you look at how the national folks are viewing the Golden Knights, they have respect for them to the point where ESPN's power rankings on ESPN.com right now have the Golden Knights number one in the league which is obviously about as much respect as you can get, but a lot of that is built on the back of beating bad teams. They're 5-5 five and five against the Avalanche and the Wild, who are the clear other two top teams in the Honda West division. But then they're 19-3-1 against everyone else. Now, of course, you're probably out there saying to yourself, what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to beat up on the bad teams. Right. You are supposed to beat up on the bad teams. It's just that when we project forward with this Golden Knights team, and we have to because the regular season is meaningless for a team that was built to go after the Cup, then we have to say, what do we expect out of this team come the playoffs? And right now, you have to say that if they don't get the number one seed, if they end up in the two and have to play Minnesota in the first round, if you have to go Minnesota, then Colorado, those could be some very, very difficult matchups for the Golden Knights to have to get through both of those against teams that they have basically been a coin flip against. More preview of the game uh, coming up closer to the 5 o'clock hour as we'll, uh, we'll be out of here at normal time, 6 o'clock. By the way, I'm very glad to be back on 2 to 6. I don't know why noon to 4 threw me off. Not that I'm not a morning person. Everything gets crunched in, Candy, right? Everything gets crunched in. It's a little more tense. Getting ready for the show, but no one wants well, to hear our, t- our time issues. Yeah, I mean, look, you're doing the late night pod till all hours. You know, then then you're you're up cutting promos for 21 pounds of meat. Like you, you sir, cannot uh, <laughs> can't be put to bed that early. <laughs> so we go until six o'clock, and I'm sure the audience. There were a couple of members of the audience who were like, "What the hell's going on? You're on at one o'clock. Where are you at four thirty? We're back. We're back. We're back and better than ever." As some other radio host says, who does our uh, 10 a.m. show nationally, uh, Greeny. Right here on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, well, the news out of uh, UNLV camp, and this isn't a shocker. Uh, I I actually, I'll look at this because there's no finality to it. 
as glass half full. Uh, Bryce Hamilton is going to test the NBA waters. Now, generally in the past, you know, it's interesting, Candy. UNLV really hasn't had two- and three- and four-year players, so when players were going to the NBA, a lot of times it was on the heels of a coach leaving, which seems to happen all the time, whether it's firing or someone like Otzelberger deciding to leave on his own, but most of the players who've attempted to go to the NBA, that was it. That was, They were doing it. Uh, in the case of Bryce Hamilton, he's going to test the waters, test the process, right now saying he will not sign with an agent. So am I being a little too rosy here, or is this the beginning of the end? It's the beginning of the end. Oh, and, come and, on. And and why would it not be for Bryce Hamilton? I heard some folks at the end of the year trying to say, well, Bryce Hamilton didn't have quite the same year this year, and so even though he put his name out there for the draft after last season, you know, why would he go ahead and do it this year coming off a bad year? This wasn't a bad year for Bryce Hamilton. This was a year where Bryce Hamilton was asked to play completely out of position for most of the season. Bryce Hamilton was asked to be a point wing from the time that Marvin Coleman went down. And maybe he has to do some bringing the ball up in the NBA, but really, come on, Bryce Hamilton's a guy who should be playing off the ball in general. So I think once he has a chance to get out there and show his skill level and show his talent once again when he comes to the pre-draft evaluation process, I think it would be, let's say, an upset if Bryce Hamilton returned. Does that mean he won't return... To college or just UNLV? Well, that is a reasonable question since we've watched half the roster end up in the transfer portal here, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, my guess is that there is a chance. You know, again, folks, remember, the NBA draft, you know, there's no not nine rounds anymore. It's two rounds. It's incredibly difficult in the second round for American college basketball players to get drafted. I know it sounds crazy because you figure that's the building block. That's the core of the NBA, but it, in the second round, there's a ton of draft and stash, and that means a lot of international players. And the veteran, older, like a junior, uh, those types of players, although Bryce technically, Bryce Hamilton has two years of eligibility left because this was a, a free year. But it's hard for American players to get drafted sometimes in the second round, and we, you know, we've seen it in the past. When UNLV players went to the NBA draft, they didn't get the traditional look, you know, in the first or second round. They had to fight their way into the league. Now, that said, Bryce Hamilton could also look at it and go, you know what, they're telling me I'm not going to get drafted, and maybe I will. But if not, I could still be a Derrick Jones. I could still be a Chris Wood. So the evidence is there. You don't have to go the traditional route and get drafted to make it to the NBA. And obviously my my question there is if he doesn't – if he decides, hey, you know what, I'm not ready for the NBA. They told me you have to go back. You're not ready. Does he then look at the UNLV situation, say, in you know, two or three weeks and go, all right, I still don't have confidence that I'm going to make the tournament. Now I am going to go to the Pac-12. Now I am going to go to the Big 12. I am going to go to a power school that has a history of making the tournament in recent years. Wouldn't it make sense if you are Bryce Hamilton in that situation, not just from the perspective of what's the situation at UNLV, But just look at the success that you've seen other UNLV players have in leaving and going and being more featured. I had more fun watching Baylor the other night, listening to Jim Nance and Bill Raftery trying to say Jonathan Chamwachachua over and over again than I have with just about anything else on a broadcast. But the point of the matter is, here's JTT, a player without the talent of Bryce Hamilton, out here on a national stage in a big role for Baylor, getting all the attention, getting all the eyes on him all year long. 
in that Baylor program or compare him to someone else like Amari Hardy, who with that Oregon team might have been a sixth or seventh player, but certainly got a lot more exposure than he would at UNLV. And I would look at the UNLV situation from last year and say, if you don't fix this point guard situation and in a serious way, there's no reason for me to come back. Good stuff. Honest stuff. We'll uh, get more info on Bryce Hamilton testing the waters of the NBA. Final four set. Last night's top narrative. Did it come out of the UCLA-Michigan game? Or I think the thing I'm seeing most is people around the country who, again, I don't think people watch enough West Coast basketball, West Coast Conference especially. Uh, but if they hadn't been paying attention to Gonzaga throughout the tournament, last night was certainly a show. And the fact that they kicked the living crap out of a good USC team with NBA players on it and, like, just toyed with them, especially over the final 13 minutes. It's like, yeah, you know what? Get it down to 17, 6 nothing run. Get it down to 18, we'll pump off eight points. Uh, I thought that was the biggest story last night. And, and out of it comes this, hey, look at this undefeated team. How do they compare to the unbeaten teams of the past who have gone to the Final Four? Look where we are sitting while we talk about this. Yep. Because this is anybody who was here in 89-90 like I was, this is, this is what we lived through. This was it, except you're doing it on a huge scale with the Internet and all sorts of voices amplifying it. When we live through this exact thing here in Vegas, we live through, is this the greatest team you've ever seen? Yep. I'll always remember, the, uh, you, you'll, you'll know this, the National, the old National sports paper that was around for a while. The call off the tournament. Call it off. <laughs> UNLV can't be beaten. And then, of course, UNLV was beaten. Was but beaten. the point is with they this were, Gonzaga they team. They were beaten. This Gonzaga team, if you, I don't even blame you if you didn't watch West Coast Conference basketball during the year because there wasn't a game that was competitive. What game would you sit and watch 40 minutes of, of Gonzaga? What, you want to watch him play Pepperdine? You want to watch him run Portland off the court? Like, there really wasn't a chance later in the season to watch this Gonzaga team, but obviously we saw plenty of it out this way, and I, I don't think there is another team outside of Baylor that can give them a real game. Candy, you know the funny part about you saying the, you know, the West Coast Conference wasn't worth watching, you know, facing Gonzaga because the game were such blowouts? I don't know if you saw the number, but differential points per possession, the differential – for Gonzaga in the NCAA tournament is actually bigger than it was in West Coast Conference play, slightly. Points per possession. I think it's like .34 to .32. They've actually been more dominant in the NCAA tournament than they were in the West Coast Conference where they almost never played a close game. That's how good they've been. That's how much they're peaking. It it is amazing. I'll give the – let's give it this. They have not exactly faced the strongest road to get here, but that's by design. They were the number one overall seed in the tournament. But it has to be better than than most of the West Coast Conference. Yes, I I do think even a crippled Villanova team is probably going to finish second or third in the West Coast Conference. I'll give you that. All right, coming up, not to be uh, Debbie Downers on UNLV basketball and Bryce Hamilton, uh, maybe bye-bye for the NBA. Uh, I mean, I think any UNLV fan is looking up right now, and they're, they're watching what's going on with Chris Beard between Texas Tech and Texas. Like, okay, this guy, he was the coach. Another guy they flirted with, McCronin. Well, he's in. He's in the Final Four, and we'll get to what happened last night with UCLA and Michigan. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. 
Just simply stated, it is great to be home. It's great to be home. Lubbock, Texas, the state of Texas, Texas Tech University. This is exactly where I want to be. This is my dream job. It always has been. Uh, and today is one of the best days of my life. Again, I'm so glad to be home. Now back to Cofield and Company, live at the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside Treasure Island. Candy, there really is a laundry list of former UNLV basketball coaches or those tied to the job, and it's it's hard to come up with an accurate ranking of who is the most unlikable. Chris Beard, looky here, involved in a potential back-and-forth negotiation with his current school and another stop in the offing. What is he going to do? Texas Tech fans are freaking out. You know, we were laughing yesterday. Shoes on the other foot, huh? Red Raider fans? Sucks, doesn't it? Uh, But, you know, it's weird. We keep mocking on the dream job thing, right? Because people in town, there are some, and on the show, who defended Chris Beard like, what would you want him to do? Texas Tech was his dream job. And I had someone on Twitter yesterday, they're like, you never said that. I'm like, he did. Wait, we didn't make it up. That was at the Texas Tech intro. He mentioned his dream job. And I wonder if he will use the same line. Has anything come down? Did I miss it? Has he spurned Texas? But I wonder what he's going to do uh, if he takes the Texas job, you know, where he went to school, and how he's going to try to spin it. Although, you know, that said, there, there shouldn't be a – can Texas Tech be mad, I guess, at a rival stealing their coach? Like, he gave Texas Tech some real time here and got the program to the next level. UNLV fans at the time had, you know, much reason to be angry. First of all, you said Red Raider fans, how does it feel? Red Raider fans at least have – yeah. Being one shot away from a national championship well, to hang but, their hats on. But you know some of them will still complain. Like, I, how dare he leave would. us? But, and, and I'm going to tell you off. why. I'm going I'm to tell you why I would complain. Because Texas is not a better job than Texas Tech right now. I don't want to be the head coach of Texas unless they are significantly increasing my money. Because right now, I don't care if it's his dream job. I don't care if it's home. The pressure on Chris Beard is significantly less in Lubbock than it will be in Austin because the expectations in Austin are completely out of whack. There's a reason Shaka Smart got out while he still could. And there's a reason that Chris Beard would be smart to use this as leverage to stay in Lubbock. Imagine how if he flirts with Texas, gets himself a raise, and then stays and gives you the dream job line again. He could come right back right back and say you know what I, I had to have the conversation but you know I, there's, there's just no way I couldn't leave how could I live here he come on he gave up the Bear Bryant line when he got to Lubbock in the first place when mama calls you you got to go home well don't have to leave home either good for you Chris Beard oh he's in a sweet position uh interesting I was just reading uh, someone who covers the scene in Texas with college basketball This person says tomorrow, Friday, at the latest, we find out one of two things. Either Chris Beard signs a massive extension at Tech or Texas will have its new basketball coach. Going to be interesting to watch. The speculation on this person's tweet is the massive extension at Texas Tech. Six years, $40 to $45 million. My Lord, 
It is damn good to be a college basketball coach. $7 million from Texas Tech to coach the freaking basketball team. Holy moly. And still not the highest paid coach in the country. Everybody go talk to Calipari. Oh, and it's going to keep going up and up and up because coaches, when they get in this position, I mean, here's the thing. If Beard doesn't take it, then there's going to be another person in line to work an extension back at their place or bolt. Because you know Texas is going to go, I mean, they're going to keep firing at big-name targets, no doubt, and they got the money. Uh, I don't. Hey. I still don't understand what Indiana did. If you buy out a guy for $10 million, I don't know how you uh, wind up with Mike Woodson. That one seems no, weird to me. No, that, that was a joke. In, Indiana completely overshot what it thought it could get to come into that place. But speaking of unrealistic expectations, everybody keeps expecting Bob Knight to walk back in the door of that place. Good luck with that. Uh, yeah. All you have is the Indiana name at this point. That place has, has not been what anyone thinks it is there for quite a long time. You know what, though, Steve, you talk about using it to negotiate a better deal at your own place and we get into these astronomical seven, eight million dollar salaries. No one right now is talking about how Mick Cronin used UNLV yep. to get a better deal at Cincinnati. No one is talking about that today. All we are talking about is Mick Cronin ended UCLA's final four drought. I'm not talking about him ditching Cincinnati. Not talking about Tina Kunzer Murphy coming on these very airwaves and saying Mick Cronin lied to us. Yeah. No, it's all gone. It's all over. So you know what? They're going to go get their money. We're all going to have a short memory. And if they do what they're supposed to do for the school that hires them, then they're going to get all the glory for that. And no one's going to remember all the rest. I feel like I feel like you just cut me off of the past because I was talking about Mick Cronin last night using UNLV to uh, up his situation at Cincinnati, scare the crap out of them, eventually landing at UCLA, ending their drought. He's now a hero. The other great thing about this, because you know, everything's intertwined in the world of college basketball, and somehow UNLV seems tied to a lot of it. The other great thing about Mick Cronin is many of these players are Steve Alford's players who was run out of town because he wasn't a UCLA guy. You know, Bill Walton freaking hated Alford being, you know, the coach of his beloved university. Cronin goes in there, you know, picks up, and when I say scraps, these players are not scraps, but, you know, picks up the offered scraps, builds it up, still doesn't have the team he wants, and they go out last night, play just enough defense. Uh, I think they got a little cooperation from Michigan and missing a bunch of bunnies close to the hoop. They win. They're in the Final Four. And they're in the Final Four from the playing spot where the NCAA Selection Committee, I believe, completely blanked them from the beginning of this tournament. Like, hey, you know what? Pac-12, they had a great year. They were on top of the conference all year long. We need ratings in the play-in game. Sorry, UCLA, you're going against Michigan State. Like, what? How, do we, how are we in a play-in game? And they overcame all of it. Gritty, gutty Mick Cronin. Lovable. Not, not lovable. Mick Cronin. Oh, no. oh God. No. Gets it done. Yeah, I don't want to. Oh, God, no. <laughs> my, oh, God. My no, I mean, like, out in the garage here at the TI. If some uh, UNLV fans like, what would you say? Got screwed with us for 10 days. Dude. No, I mean, it, it, I, I'm sorry Walton didn't like Alford, but talk about going from one arrogant SOB to another from Alford to Cronin. It's just a different type of arrogance between the two guys. But, yeah, man, I, it, look, right now you have to look back on that 2016 UNLV offseason and think to yourself, nothing like this will ever happen again. Like, this is the most ridiculous single offseason that any program has ever gone through when it comes to coaching. 
with the Cronin flirtation, with hmm. Beard, I don't know what we call that, a flirtation and getting to second base, and then leaving, and then ending up with Menzies and the five-year odyssey that this program has been on since the day that happened. Incredible. Incredible. It seems unfair, doesn't it? And yet, you make your own bed, so it's not, it's not all bad luck. Oh, no. There were some things done locally incorrectly that set up yes. the situation uh, to uh, play out badly, you know, in mediocre fashion, and it wasn't one bad, bad move or one bad break. Uh, uh, no, I uh, no. There, there, there was a whole board of people who didn't yes. act uh, oh, all that not, well. That's not even getting into that. My 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 oh, screaming and yelling about the uh, the freaking regents and how much money they eventually cost UNLV uh, simply in terms of what Chris Beard potentially could have brought to the state and the university with a massive uh, you know monetary windfall if the program had some success close to Texas Tech. I'll tell you what. One more thing, because I have to go back to the rant that I have been on for two weeks because you just mentioned the play-in number 11 spot. Who was supposed to have one of those spots before UCLA did? I believe that was the Mountain West. We're going to go back to the Craig Thompson. I believe the Mountain West was supposed to have that. (laughs) I believe Boise State or Colorado State were supposed to be in that last four in and supposed to be in the play-in 11 spot before Craig Thompson started counting pennies from his CBS contract instead of counting hundreds from the NCAA. I would say, when are you going to let that go? But that would be absurd of me to say, since I've just gone back to the well with old complaints and rants. Like, five of them. <laughs> you went to 2016. I went back like a month. Oh. Dude, yesterday I, was, I, I didn't do it, but I was all ready to go back to freaking... Uh, you know, post Lon Kruger and looking back at uh, odds boards and discussions that we had about Kelvin Sampson. Oh, dear. Being in, you know, in the uh, pool or interest of UNLV as they were going to move on. And at the time, I was like, oh, you can't take a chance on that guy. He's dirty. And just think about the trajectory of how we discuss this whole situation now, right? Mick Cronin, Steve Alford. <laughs> Kelvin Sampson, Chris Beard, and this is absolutely no slight to Kevin Kruger, who is going to come in and do the job to the best of his ability, but it's a different discussion. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Uh, This part of the show is brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. You may not need an attorney today or even tomorrow, but when the situation arises, that's the time you need someone that you can trust, and we trust the folks at Battleborn Injury Lawyers. Uh, We're not just putting anyone on the air here on Cofield and Company. Justin's been a, a valued member of the staff for uh, eight-plus years. We love these guys. We trust them with all of our important legal issues. 570-9000. Mark it down. You know, even for something as small as a fender bender and you need someone on the scene, you know, things got all screwy in terms of, uh, you know, police reports and insurance over the last couple of years. These are the guys to call. And then, you know, for super, super serious needs, yeah, lean on them. Battleborn Injury Alerts, 570-9000. Visit Cofield's Corner on LVSportsNetwork.com for access to the latest podcasts and best interviews. It's time for Cofield and Company's Path to the Draft, presented by Weed Sellers, WeedSellers.com. That's Weed, C-E-L-L-A-R-S.com. 
Yep, for the best in uh, bourbon, beer, and wine, it is Weed Cellars. All right, number 19 pick is up, Candy. So uh, this is one of our favorite teams to cover, first of all, for the goofiness of the name, uh, football team. But Washington football team, 19th pick, David Harrison, is with us from the uh, Locked On Football Team podcast. David, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good. How are you? Real good, real good. All right, well, let's get fired up here, first of all, leading to the draft, which uh, is, uh, the football team's had a really interesting offseason so far. I don't know if you like all the moves. We're going to find out uh, right now. First of all, do you like the mix at quarterback, uh, going with Fitzy, uh, backed up by Heineke? Do you like it? I do, actually. Um, I, I think that this is a team that's very much kind of in a building mode, and, and head coach Ron Rivera has kind of touched on that topic himself as well, talking about, uh, building this team the right way instead of trying to rush to a final product. And, and the way that he put it is that's how you end up, you know, rebuilding your team year after year after year, trying to rush to that final product. So he, he's kind of preached a little bit of patience and, and making sure they do things the right way. And I think that that's what they're doing is installing a culture, you know, of professionalism, of, of dedication, and, you know, the expectation to go out there and do the best that you can and put the best product on the field, of course, but at the same time also making sure you have the right guys in the building. So, uh, you know, going back before they signed Ryan Fitzpatrick, that was kind of one of my, uh, I don't want to call it a dream scenario because I don't think Ryan Fitzpatrick would be <laughs> yeah. anybody's dream to be a starting quarterback necessarily. Uh, but, you know, it, with this team and the situation they are, signing a veteran like Fitzpatrick to come in with Taylor Heineke and some of his excitement and hype and Kyle Allen's knowledge of the scheme and then perhaps uh, going into the NFL draft looking for a young guy to develop, I think it's a good way to approach it with where the Washington football team roster is uh, currently. Bigger concern with Fitzpatrick the fact that he will throw interceptions or durability because he's an old guy. Uh, it's the interceptions. You know, uh, Fitzmagic is, is an amazing thing, and I got to cover him in Tampa as well when he was a Buccaneer, and uh, it's a lot of fun. But then Fitz tragic happens every once in a while, and uh, it's it's tragic uh, to, to say the least. If it's it's moniker, you know, um, that's that's going to be the thing that Ryan Fitzpatrick just he's he's got to he's got to find the moments to let the gun slinger out, and he's got to find the moments. To reel it back in and from what i've seen in ryan fitzpatrick and as he gets a little bit older and as he gets deeper and deeper into his career he's gotten a little bit better in knowing when it's okay to go out there and just kind of go for it all because you know it's, it's one of those situations where if you don't get it you're not going to win anyway so you might as well go for it and then when to rein it back in and maybe rely on some of your other factors of your team and with the defense that this team has i think we might see a little bit more of a conservative ryan fitzpatrick but at the end of the day he's a gunslinger at heart and that's who he is that's his nature so there are going to be some moments where uh, people watching the team are going to scratch their head a little bit, and uh, that's just going to come with the territory. We just have to hope uh, that Fitzpatrick can, can do enough to control those moments and not have them hurt the team. Talking football team, path of the draft, do you like – we're talking to David Harrison from Locked On Football Team Podcast. Do you like what they've added at wide receiver? I really do. Curtis Samuel is, is, is one of the top targets that we have for this team. Uh, Kenny Galladay, I think, was at the top of the list, but I think he was at the top of a lot of people's list. Uh, so when you can't get a guy like Kenny Galladay, Curtis Samuel is, is no consolation prize. He's a good, effective wide receiver, knows the system, knows the culture that he's walking into, knows the team and what they're going to expect from him. And then the addition of Adam Humphreys only lets them uh, use Curtis Samuel's versatility that much more. And then, of course, the addition of both those guys allows them to maximize Terry McLaurin's versatility as well. Uh, this is a wide receiver group and an offense, really, with Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick. Uh, also, you know, back there for, for the offense for Fitzpatrick to use. They can really come out in all sorts of alignments. Logan Thomas gets added in there, and depending on what they do with the tight end position through the rest of free agency in the draft, uh, you're looking at an offense that really can kind of customize to whatever defense they're facing week in, week out, and make sure that they have the best matchups uh, for their offense to go out there and take advantage of. 
What do you believe about what we saw from Taylor Heineke last year? Obviously a very small sample, but he and the football team in general gave the Tampa Bay Buccaneers the best run they got from anybody uh, in the playoffs. So do you believe that he's someone that Ron Rivera looks at as needing development under Ryan Fitzpatrick, or do you think that come next offseason the football team is going to be doing this all over again? Uh, I think I, I feel like there is a chance that Taylor Heineke could, you know, develop into a legitimate starting quarterback. I think the team wants to find out if he has that next gear kind of in him. But I think a lot of people are also taking that performance in the wild card round uh, with a little bit of a grain of salt. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are missing arguably one of their, you know, possibly their most valuable defensive playmaker uh, in Devin White, a defensive captain on the team. That's the defense comes with a lot of energy. And if you if you watch the Buccaneers through the rest of the playoffs. You kind of saw the difference in the energy level from the defense uh, when he was on the field versus when he was off the field against Washington. And that's not to take away everything that Taylor did. He definitely faced a very good defense unit, even without Devin White. Um, and, and he had a really good game. But one game doesn't make a career. Ron Rivera obviously knows that, and Taylor, I'm sure, is aware of it as well. I think what we saw is that he's got some raw athletic ability. He's got some talent. Um, but now he's got to pair the skill with it, kind of learn a little bit, get some education. I think that's what Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to help Taylor do, along with that coaching. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see what happens. If Ryan Fitzpatrick turns into Fitz Tragic, then I think Taylor will get an obvious shot. And if he can prove that he can be the guy, then maybe uh, the Washington football team doesn't come into 2022 looking for a high-round uh, draft pick. But, you know, if, if Ryan Fitzpatrick can come out and do what he needs to do and Taylor Heineke kind of looks like the Taylor Heineke they've, they've come to know in practice, which is, you know, a good, adequate backup, a guy that you can uh, try to do some things with if you're forced into that situation, then we're probably going to see this team looking uh, for a high draft pick quarterback in subsequent uh, drafts. So the Washington football team finishes as pro football focused third rated defense last year. It seemed pretty universally agreed that the front seven uh, could stack up against just about any in in football. So when you go into the draft here now, are there any pieces of the defense that you look at and say, okay, we obviously need an upgrade here? Does it start in the secondary, or do you think there are spots that they can strengthen in that front seven? I would go to the linebacker position first. And, and, you know, first and foremost, I would go with that inside linebacker, that Mike linebacker, um, and, and look at a guy like Michael Parsons out of Penn State. If he makes it that far in the NFL draft, there's, you know, some reports that people are concerned about some of the off-field stuff. Uh, but a lot of that off-field stuff is years ago. Uh, he's been pretty open in his interview opportunities addressing it. I think he's, he's approached it pretty uh, with a pretty good, mature kind of outlook on, on who, he, who he was and who he is now and what he's come from and, you know, whatever he's saying behind closed doors or behind uh, the monitors or however he's talking to these NFL teams, if he's kind of getting through the message to them that he is, you know, not necessarily the same guy that people are talking about in some of those reports and they believe him, uh, then he could be a very good addition to a defense like this one. And then you have, uh, you know, your weak side, your strong side linebackers. I think the, all three of the linebacker positions could use an upgrade. So really anybody you get at any of those positions. Uh, for me, that's where the priority would lie before I address the uh, the secondary um, I, I like Cam Curl. Um, I, I don't think Landon Collins is probably long for this team, so I'd be looking at a free safety somewhere. Uh, probably early day two. Richie Grant out of UCF. UCF is, is a favorite target of our show, uh, but Andre Cisco out of Syracuse is also another name that I think uh, the Washington football team would probably be interested in. David Harrison covers a football team as they have the 19th pick in the draft. So let's talk about the glamour position. Is there a quarterback that you want available at that point? Do you reach? What do you think? At 19, I don't really see a quarterback that I think is going to be available at 19 that I would uh, be still comfortable pulling the trigger on for this team. I mean, Mac Jones is 
is probably the top of that list that might be there at 19, but a lot of the talk kind of goes back and forth on whether or not he'll even be there uh, when, when the Washington football team gets up gets onto the clock. It's just the way they're kind of talking. I don't see a trade-up uh, probably happening. You know, never say never in these types of things. Uh, but Davis Mills out of Stanford obviously had a really good pro day and, and has a lot of people going back to look at his tape to see if maybe they missed something and seeing where he's going to get valued. Uh, he's climbed the board and for, for a lot of people. I know that Texas A&M, Kellen Mond. I'm not a huge fan of Kellen Mond, but I know a lot of people are, so you could definitely see him uh, possibly fitting with the team. Kyle Trask is obviously a name. I think Jamie Newman, uh, the former Georgia quarterback, Wake Forest quarterback, uh, made a lot of noise at the Senior Bowl, and I think he's a guy uh, that the Washington football team could definitely look for You know, maybe late day two, depending on how early all those other quarterbacks go, but day three is kind of his sweet spot. Uh, he's got some athleticism. He's got a good arm. He took to NFL coaching really well in Mobile, Alabama. I think that's going uh, uh, to make a lot of NFL teams really like what they see in him. So we look for like, that developmental guy that you're not going to get rushed into getting on the field. Jamie Newman is a name that I look for as well as a guy like Felipe Franks from Arkansas, who also had a pretty solid time in Mobile. It's a pretty interesting slot at 19 as well because uh, tackle could be of interest, but the problem in that area is there could be a run on tackles uh, offensive right. tackles, starting with the Raiders, who you know are in a weird situation now since they got rid of most of their offensive line. They've signed their left tackle, but they certainly don't have a right tackle of the future. So I wonder if football team is kind of you know waiting to see how things play out, and they certainly they they could use a little youth uh, on the offensive line to build around, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the offensive line. You know, I wouldn't say they have the worst offensive line in the National Football League, but they could definitely uh, use an injection of youthful talent. Christian Darrisaw is, is a good target. Uh, for them if, if he reaches number 19. And I think really at the end of the day, when you when you look at the Washington football team and kind of the needs they have on the roster, you don't look at any single unit and just say, man, that's probably your 32nd ranked unit in the NFL. But you look at these units and you say, uh, no matter how the draft board falls, whether there's a run on offensive linemen, like you said, or a run on quarterbacks, and even Mac Jones has gone before 19, no matter what position group you're addressing at, at 19, you're going to get a good player with some good talent and, and some good ability. Uh, but, you know, uh, Christian Darius, I already mentioned, is, is kind of my favorite there if they go tackle. Uh, but Dylan Raddins out of North Dakota State is another guy. Going back to Mobile again, uh, he made a lot of noise for himself there in Mobile and played not just left tackle, but he also played, uh, shifted inside and played guard a little bit too and, and dominated in both positions. Did really well. Again, took the NFL coaching really well. So if they don't address the offensive line around one and they come back around around two, if Dylan is on the board there, that could be a spot where they address uh, that position, and he's got he's a guy with a lot of upside as well. Cowboys are the favorite NFC East twenty twenty one. Should they be, or should it be football team? Uh, I mean, I, I think it should be the Wash football team. I, I'm kind of uh, you know I don't know if you call me kind of a conservative in that in that lane. I guess the way I look at it is you're the division champs until you're not anymore. And even though you know you when you look across the NFL, even you know the NFC South, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers won the Super Bowl, but they're not the NFC South division champs. They still have to knock off the Saints. Drew Brees, you know, being in retirement should help that. Uh, but, you know, to me, Washington football team won the division. You know, I got the, the division was weaker. Uh, Dak Prescott going out didn't really help the Dallas Cowboys. But a lot of people seem to forget that the Dallas Cowboys were 1-4 uh, coming into that game that Dak got injured. So it's not like they were exactly world beaters when he was out there on the field. Dak has a lot of ability, but that, that roster has a lot of holes on him or on it, and their salary cap management has kind of put them in a position where they can't go out and get a lot of veterans to plug some of those holes. So they've got to draft really well. And uh, those rookies have got to contribute very, very early in order for Dallas to really kind of pick everything up and put the pieces together. I think when I look roster to roster, I think Washington football team probably has the most complete roster uh, in the division. And, you know, I'm, I'm fairly new to covering the team, so I think that uh, that can be taken with a little bit of trust in the fact that I haven't been around this team for, for many, many, many years.
David, let's close by mentioning the uh, the podcast. Where can people find it? Yeah, five days a week, the Locked on Washington football team podcast. I'm there with Chris Russell. Uh, Chris is also on Team 980, uh, you know, over there doing his thing. Uh, he's been covering the team a lot longer than I have. I've been there since February. Uh, but, yeah, five days a week we're doing that, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Good deal. Good spot. Thank you. Thank you. Do I make the jokes? Have you, have you seen the, uh, the Lockdown Network? I'm waiting for the jokes. No, no. Well, the, the joke is um, it, it's a really good podcast provider, but they've, they've got team-by-team team podcasts. So you've got Locked On this team, Locked On that team, and I feel like it's an Abbott and Costello bit waiting to happen because of the stupid name you know, where you're like, hey, go to the, go to the podcast, Lockdown Football Team. Like, which team? Which team? Lockdown Football Team. Uh, no, but I want my team. Now it doesn't work. Ari's looking I, at me like blankly. He's like, I don't know what's going on. Uh, lo- <laughs> Can we just make it locked on WFT? Like I, like, I just, I love calling him WFT because it's so close to calling him WTF. And as long as Snyder's there, I get to call him WTF. Which team in the 1920 range? Because it won't be the Colts of 21. Uh, you know, about a month ago, whatever it was, six weeks ago, they all needed a quarterback, uh, probably a quarterback of the future. So the Colts said, you know what, Carson Wentz is our guy. Between the Bears and football team, which of those uh, – do I even finish this? Which of those squads is more likely to reach for Davis Mills, Kellen Mond, Kyle Trask? Who's going to freaking spit the bit and, and take the fifth or probably sixth quarterback at that spot when they could probably get him at the beginning? Well, it wouldn't be the beginning, but uh, somewhere in the second or third round. If you've read the stories this offseason – Describe the dysfunction in the Washington football team front office about how they spend months evaluating players. Everybody gets in the war room on draft day. They're ready to make their pick. And then Snyder, quote, walks in off his yacht and makes right. the pick for us. Then you know it's Dan Snyder and the Washington football team who are most likely to have gotten one phone call from some Stanford alum that he knows to say, hey, you know what? Oh, Davis Mills looked great this year. And Snyder goes, Good enough for me. Let's go get him. Yeah, I was going to say, do not let Dan Snyder near a phone to watch the video that was out yesterday on Kellen Mond, the Texas A&M quarterback. Uh, that was, you know, one of those uh, football porn moments. Kellen Mond rolls left. You know, and again, it's it's an open field. There's one receiver. There's no defensive back. There's no, uh, you know, rushing lineman coming his way. He rolls to his left, throws, you know, on the weird angle, right-handed, it goes 65 yards in the air. I mean, it was a high pass, but he threw it. He flicked it 65 yards, and everyone's like, oh, my God, look at the arm on this guy. Do not let Snydog see the video. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. We finally got a piece of the pie. It's Good Times with Mr. Sunshine. Brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Prioritizing people over profits. Let's get to some good news. Candy was just so critical to open the show, dashing the hopes of UNLV fans, saying that uh, Bryce Hamilton probably gone with the news that he's looking at the NBA. He's going into the process. Uh, you know, and if he doesn't make the NBA, he decides to come back. Will he come back to UNLV? Candy, uh, glass, uh, pretty empty. We'll, uh, we'll have to get back to that story in a little bit. Good time stories, Candy. Eh, this one's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, Rusty Harden, Deshaun Watson's attorney, says there are 18 massage therapists who had no problem with Deshaun Watson. This one's kind of a loaded comment, is it not? I 
love the idea that if he finds as many massage therapists who right. supposedly had good experiences, <laughs> right. that somehow it would negate one, if not 20-plus allegations of improper or illegal experiences. Like, we're not fighting this in the court of public opinion forever, right? Like, right now we are, as Justin Watkins has told us. But, yeah. Listen, I had 50 massage therapists that I used over the years. 27 say all good. Wait, what, 50? Letting this thing unfurl is going to be really interesting. Uh, We're going to talk to uh, Dan Lust, Legal Insider, in about an hour, he's in today for our buddy Justin Watkins. A little vacation, a little vacay for uh, Justin Watkins. So, a lot to get to. Um, also, I'm telling you, tune in for Dan's take on what went down today with the NCAA against college athletes in front of the Supreme Court. He was live tweeting it. He was going freaking crazy, crazy. I feel like there may be some people who are richer today who work in radio, internet radio, uh, and good for them. Uh, I've never really hit the jackpot, Candy. I've never really stepped in it. So I'm very confused as to what the hell is going on with this explosion of baseball cards. Please explain. Please translate for me what has happened the last three months and now what happened uh, yesterday and today. Yo, it's not even the last three months. I'm thinking back now on some people that I know, some work colleagues, who were getting into just buying boxes of cards and selling cards on the Internet like a year ago, and I didn't realize that it was like something that was going to blow up into what it is. And I just saw a story that I think I sent it over to you guys. I saw a story that said there's a company out there where you can send your baseball cards in to be graded. Like, they will essentially take the card, they'll look at it and say, yeah, it should be worth this much. Like, back when I was growing up, like, I remember riding my bike to the baseball card store and picking up the Beckett Monthly magazine and being super excited every month to flip it open and figure out how much my cards were worth and had they gone up 50 cents like it (laughs) mattered to me. Uh, You know, like I was going to make any money off the things in the long run. But now, man... This company that does the grading of the cards just had to say, hey, you know what? Nobody's sending any more cards. We're suspending everything. We have so many cards to grade right now that we're so backlogged, we can't even get through it. We can't even pick up with everything that we have right now. Dude, it's unbelievable. And I know it started out of quarantine when we had nothing to do and nowhere else to spend our money. Things are opening <laughs> like, up a little bit again, right? Like, real life. Put away the cards, there, everybody. There are other, like, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you're planning on taking these cards with you back out on vacation this summer, but, like, we can start to think about getting out of the house again. So, uh, no, I mean, it's not all because of that, obviously. Like, a lot of people are looking for a hobby, but, my God, when you see the explosion from the Rovells of the world out there, Talking about the multi-million dollars, the multi-billion dollars, the NBA Top Shot, the NFTs, the things that I have had as a middle-aged man to look up and learn about over the last couple of months have been crazy. This has been Good Times with Mr. Sunshine, brought to you by Silver State Schools Credit Union. Become a member today at SilverStateCU.com.